I'm Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. It's time to pay attention. Come on, people. Think about it. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Mortgage industry is not rocket science. Your guide to the information you can use to choose the best answers to your real estate financing questions. If that loan agent tells you that, get up and run away. Now, here's your host on State and Islay. Your guy in the mortgage industry, Guy Rivera. Okay, this is Guy Rivera. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. I am your guy in the mortgage industry. Every time I hear Baron Ron Heron do my intro, I just love it more and more. It's, he, he's a talented guy. Can you really have a, I used to listen to that guy when I was in high school here. That's Baron Ron Heron. He used to play a song in October called October in Oxnard. Every day he'd play that song. I've been meaning to ask him about that. Nobody believes there's a song called October in Oxnard. Okay, it's going to be a really good show today. It's going to be a great show. Um, again, I am going to fulfill my promise to bring you more information than any other mortgage banker in Santa Barbara through my network of people. I'm going to have a great guest on. She's an attorney. She deals in a specific um, a specific uh, portion of the law. I'm going to let her tell Divorce attorney. But I'm going to let her tell you her side of the story. <clears throat> Through my career, I have seen hundreds of divorces. It's a shame. It breaks my heart every time I see it. Um, there's certain things that need to be done, <clears throat> excuse me, certain things that need to be done to allow people to go on and move on with their lives. We're going to get it here with Lynn, and um, she's a great gal, loves baseball, I can tell you that much. Lynn Goble, attorney at law, she's on 15 West Carrillo Street, Suite 258. She's a real sharp gal, and I can't wait to talk to her. Not that I'm thinking about getting a divorce or anything, because that will never happen. My wife would kill me before she divorces me. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but it does happen out there. And I'm going to bring to you um, whatever I can regarding that. Like I said, every time I see it, it breaks my heart. It really, truly does, because I get involved with my clients even though I'm, you know, callous to all of it, it can still, you know, just from the outside looking in, you you still feel it. So with that being said, let me get a couple of the uh, couple of the things out of the way that I do every time I show up in this station. Say hello to my engineer, the infamous Richard Dugan. Good afternoon, Richard. Nice and cool in here. How are you today? You've been here all week long. Check the answer machine. Jeff Bridges called for me. Did he want to know about mortgage? <laughs> Come on, really? <clears throat> Come on. Because I was just watching him in the Kingsman 2 the other night. You know, he was good in that one, right? What do they call him, Champagne? He's bad, man. That guy's a bad man, Champagne. Well, Jeff Bridges is badass anyway, all the way around. 
Well, Jeff, if you're out there, you're listening, you want to talk mortgages, you want to know what a mortgage is, you were top dog champagne in that Kingsman, too. I'm the top dog in mortgage financing right here, Santa Barbara. You're a guy in the mortgage industry. Feel free to give me a call. I can be reached, 687-6282. On this corner of State and Islay for 18 years. Can't be, can't miss me. It's big sign, guarantee mortgage. Come by. Um, let me get my licensing out of the way as well before somebody, uh, before somebody calls in and tries to, tries to say that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. My uh, NMLS number is five seven six six two. My BRE number is zero one two two. 403. My parent company is American Pacific Mortgage. They're a great company to work with. We've been doing some great things for good people and still doing great things for good people over and over again every every month, every day we can. Um, Our industry is a great industry to work in. If you know what you're doing, you can really help good people you know, do great things. And and we pride ourselves on that. So with that being said, let's get into the market. And then I'm going to tell you about this week's feel-good story. Um, and I got another on-the-edge story that is uh, that, that we're pretty proud of. So, you know, it's, you hear about the bears and the bulls, right? Well, the bears kind of won the fight after fighting to trade above key resistant levels in the past three weeks. Mortgage bonds finally lost ground and have backed away lower from the ceiling. What I'm talking about here is the yield on the 10-year going up, people moving out of bonds, going into investments because of the, you know, the earnings report, Amazon, Facebook, everybody. I was just having lunch with my friend Frank today. Who's got a million dollars worth of Amazon stock? A million dollars. I know. This guy was like, he, he saw it months, years ago. And, um, you know, glad he's my friend. <laughs> June existing sales fell 0.6% from May to an annual rate of 5.38 million units versus the 5.4 million expected. Higher prices and lower inventories were the key factors behind the decline. Let's just, well, higher prices, higher prices, higher prices, and low inventory were the key factors behind the decline. The big report this week will be the first read on the Q2 218 GDP on Thursday. Expectations are calling for a rise of 4.1 from the second quarter. The Treasury will sell $35 billion $2 notes on Tuesday, $36 billion fives on Wednesday, and $30 billion sevens on Thursday. The added supply could weigh on buying prices given the results. Um, Signs of bullish engulfing pattern in the 10-year. This pattern did come to pass on Friday, so it's no surprise to see the yields follow through higher this morning. The yield is currently at 2.91, sharply from support at 2.8, back July 6th. Today is the 24th, so you had, what, 18 days ago? What was 
the six. Yeah, about 18 days ago. That yield moved. No, it was less than, it was more than that. Uh, anyway, um, so, there you go. So it was, uh, I mean, that's a pretty substantial move. But in the scheme of things, this is where the, the, the trading pattern was. You know, um, before this, th three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it was, uh, last month it was above 3%. It closed a couple of days. So don't get scared of these, you know. Don't get scared that rates are going up, which they are a little bit. Rates are definitely going up a little bit. Um, but don't be scared of it. <clears throat> I was talking to a client that we are going through a really tough deal. It's all about the acquisition, the acquisition of the property, how they're getting into this piece of property um, is incredible. 10% down. Uh, they're doing everything they have to. They're doing everything they could. We planned out a great strategy. It's a $750,000 purchase price with 10% down. Now, I don't care what anybody says. That's, that's hard to bite off on. That's scary to jump into. But the value is there. They see the value. It's a great house, better than the one they were living in. They were renting for 25 years. It's a great, great move for these guys. But the journey getting here to close was a tough journey. 10% down. I'm going to talk about that. Richard's given me that index finger, which means I'm going to have to take a quick commercial break. Before I do... This show, Mortgage Matters, is rebroadcast on Tuesdays, 10 p.m., Sundays at noon. This is Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. I'll be right back. You are correct, sir. Okay, we are back, and you are listening to your guy in the mortgage industry, Guy Rivera. Richard found my old October and Oxnard uh, lyrics, and they sound pretty good. Flashback to my high school days when the Baron used to play it every October. <clears throat> and I only took note of it because I was born in October. So I guess I'll never forget the month I was born, now will I? But let's get him back to the market. Um, current Fannie Mae prices, 4% bond. Um, good economic news is bad news for bonds. Good economic news is bad news for bonds and rates. And rates. Right now, the specter of Q2 218 GDP possibly flirting with 5% is really weighing on the bond market. <clears throat> with yields hitting... Their highest levels in a couple of months. Well, not really. I mean, like I just said, two months ago, we were at 3%. Hello. Um, global yields ended higher yesterday as a report that the Bank of Japan would be easing up on its QE program. With the Fed in a tightening mode and the ECB planning to end QE by the end of the year, the bond markets around the globe are starting to deal with monetary policy normalization and quantitative tightening 
And the good news keeps coming in. Stocks are rallying in response to the strong corporate earnings. Like I said earlier, Google reported better than expected yesterday. Um, Stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Of the 90 companies in the S&P 500 that have reported earnings so far, 82% have exceeded expectations. U.S. economy is humming. The Hummer, the FHFA reports that the home prices rose 0.2% month over month from April to May. Treasury will sell $35 billion $2 notes today. Um, there's not much this week in, uh, there's one more um, gross domestic product on Friday, economic report being released, and it's going to have a high impact on rates, high impact on the market. New home sales today, kind of moderate. Uh, actually, home sales tomorrow, kind of moderate. Jobless claims initial tomorrow. Durable goods Thursday. Friday, the big boy. GDP, GDP chain deflator. That's Friday. Uh, that's another high and a moderate consumer sentiment pending home sales. It's coming in on Monday. So we have some moving and shaking stuff coming our way. And I'm waiting for uh, Lynn to come in, but let's talk about the feel-good loan that we did and closed yes, uh, today. This was a tough loan. Okay, we it, it's a bridge, it's a proprietary bridge loan. <clears throat> so we got a client that has that's selling, say, let's just say three million dollars. They're selling their house three million dollars. They were not planning on buying a new house for a couple of months, and their three million dollar loan uh, property was sold, but it was long escrow. They wanted I don't know ninety, hundred and twenty days. But they had to wait until that deal closes before they buy another property. Not so, Batman, says Robin. Not so. Guy Rivera has a proprietary bridge loan. APM has a proprietary bridge loan that will actually bridge the equity in the departing residence onto uh, so that they can pull the, the cash out to use to purchase the other residents. So let me just say that again because this is really a great deal and this really went down pretty, pretty cool. So their property was into 120-day escrow. It's four months. They're selling their property for $3 million. They found another property for a million five. So they're downsizing. They're old people downsizing. And um, they didn't have the money to go out and buy it. But they did not have the down payment uh, or the wherewithal. So I get a call from the real estate agent going, help, help, help. I said, okay, I can with our proprietary bridge loan. Get them to release all contingencies on the on the sale of the property that they're disposing of, the buyers need to release all the contingencies, and I will place on that property a bridge loan so they can acquire the new property. I'll defer 
Listen, this is this is very important, Richard. This is a big part of this story. I will defer all of the payments until they close. So they're not making any payments on that bridge loan until they close that deal. That interest rate is under 3%. Did you hear that? Three per- under 3%. So I'm deferring the payments. I'm giving them four hundred thousand, and I'm giving them a loan under three percent. How does that happen? Well, we have a proprietary bridge loan that really is a smoking product. <clears throat> Doesn't fit all the scenarios out there. We have other bridge loans that will fit most scenarios, but you talk to a you talk to a real estate agent. You tell them, uh, if you ask them, hey, can I buy a house contingent upon the sale of my house? It's a shame, but most other agents will not advise their clients to help anybody with that contingency. Used to be <clears throat> our industry would help people. Let's get into this, house, but now it's like, you know, um, now it's like, uh, I don't know, a free for all, you know. It's it's really sad that a lot of a lot of families can't get into a home and and, and you know sell their house, get into another home, and you know don't have the money to place and can't carry that. That's another thing. This loan that we do, once I get you a new first trust deed for the acquisition, you're you qualify because we do not hit you with the payments of your departing residents. So if you are there to, so when you purchase the new home, we're only going to hit you with the PITI on the new acquisition, not the departing residents, nor were we going to hit you with the payments of the bridge loan. So it's a great, great program. If you want to know more about that program or any other programs for acquisition of real estate, give me a call, Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry, um, or stop by the office. Everybody that's listening to the show knows where it's at. I get people stopping by all the time. 1736 State Street. We've been on the corner of State and Italy for 18 years. Victoria and I are real proud of that. Richard's giving me the finger. We're going to take a quick commercial break. This is Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. Hey, we are back. You're listening to Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage uh, mortgage industry. Welcome back to the show, Mortgage Matters. I have the lovely Lynn Goble here. She is an attorney at law, loves baseball. She was born in the Bay Area, came to Santa Barbara, attended UCSB, majored in law society with criminal justice emphasis, graduated with a BA, 1994 after college. And knowing that she must stay in paradise, known as Santa Barbara, worked as a number of years research assistant for expert witness company whose engineers testified against the major automobile makers about their product. She attended (laughs) Santa Barbara City College. No, College of Law. Attended the Santa Barbara Barbara College of Law (laughs) at night, at nighttime from 97 to 2000, and received her... Her JD in 2001. Later that same year, was admitted to practice law. 
She's been practicing family law ever since. Just cut it there. And <laughs> so I, you know, I kind of, I kind of, Lynn, welcome. Thank you for showing. Thank you for the invite. I was telling my listeners earlier that when I started this show four or five years ago, I brought them everything. I brought them real estate agents, appraisers, title escrow, real estate law. And then you and I bumped into each other on a plane going back for, uh, what was that? Baseball, spring Base, training. Spring, spring training, baby. Oh. And then uh, we bumped into each other at a baseball game. And I said, you know what? This is fate. I got to have you on my show. I didn't even <laughs> think about it. Um, but you are a family law expert. Ooh. And that's a high bar. You know, this is this is something that comes across in my industry as you well know all the time you probably refer a lot of clients to Jennifer, but I'm not going to hold that against you. If I say who's Jennifer, is that, does yeah, that yeah. help with your ego? <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I see it all the time, and it breaks my heart, um, but I'm callous to it, but it still touches you from the outside if you're standing on the outside looking in, and you just got to go, wow. But you got to do your job, and um, believe me, I've seen those blow-ups in my office, probably not as much as yours, um, but things have to be taken care of. Business has to be, be taken care of if, if you're going to go through a divorce you know, and there's substantial assets or even little assets, or if you have a home, you know, who's going to get the house? Who's going to do this? How do we go about this? And this is why I brought you here today. I asked you to come because these are questions that some people maybe just aren't, you know, asking the right questions or phrasing the question properly or just, you know, don't know what you know, what? what's in store for them? So, like, uh, I have some questions here. Keeping the family home and yeah. refinancing. Can you qualify to get the other spouse off the loan and title? Right, right. So, in, in, it, oftentimes in a, in, a, in a marital dissolution or a divorce, um, you know, one of the single greatest assets, of course, besides the children, are is the marital residence. I mean, that's one of the big nuts of the community estate, as it were. Community begins at date of marriage, ends at date of separation. You have that then time frame, so then you get the estate. What are the assets? And, and typically, most folks, if they're lucky enough, have a, have a house. So then it's a question of, can I buy my other spouse out of it? Let's say you and I have a house together, guy. We're living in paradise, and then we were in love, and it was a gas, and then soon, soon turned out to be a, a pain in the ass. And um, so... <laughs> Um, I want to get you. I want to get you out of the house. I want to get. I want to be able to buy you out in the division of what's become a balance sheet. I want that house. Now, if you're on the loan with me, am I going to qualify re to refi to get you off the loan and off of title? Can I do that on my own income? Can I do that if I'm getting spousal support? Is the mortgage lender going to look to spousal support as a source of income? That's a, that's a that's some thing you need to be. I, I like to issue spot. You need to be kind of aware of those things. If you ultimately want that asset, can you afford it in the real world? So uh, you know, I, I look to you. I look to others. Uh, you know, if my guy wants out off the loan, I'll tell opposing counsel. Let me let me see your letter of pre-qualification. Let me know your client is qualified. If neither party can afford to buy the other out, court's going to order it sold. That's just how it is. So here was something interesting. I have uh, I was having lunch with my friend Frank today. So if the wife, let's just say 
the wife is the bread maker. Husband, stay-at-home dad. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's turn that whole thing around because I didn't want to sound chauvinistic or anything. So the wife's the, the, the bread maker. And um, they're getting a divorce. Husband says, well, this is half mine. Yeah, it's half yours. And like you said, well, let's just see who can afford it. Well, the wife's going to be paying alimony. We can use that alimony for the husband if he has a job, but we can also use that alimony to help the husband qualify for the loan. Because it'll show as a source of income. It'll show as a source of income, exactly. So what if the husband didn't want it? Didn't want the house or didn't want the alimony? Didn't want the house. (laughs) I mean, he said something to me that was very interesting going, well, neither one of us can afford it. Let's just keep it. I'm paying your alimony. And you pay rent towards keeping the house. The alimony is tax deductible, right? It is in this tax year, but yeah. next year is going to be some changes. Okay. But let's just say that um, now that's a scenario. Do you see that a lot where they say, okay, well, we're going to just keep this asset together. I know I'm going to have to pay alimony, but you're going to have to be paying rent or paying the mortgage payment towards that um, asset that we're both keeping so that it's all fair. Have you ever seen that happen? Well, you know, when, when you're not in a, a litigious, you know, scorched earth litigation type case and you're mediating, you can do some creative solutions. So long as it's not against public policy, you can make up these different scenarios like, like one that you've presented. A lot of times, though, it's people just want to cut ties with their other spouse, so much so that they can't even, you know, co-parent. But just speaking in the asset sense, you know, it's hard to then do business with the spouse when, you know, you, you can no longer be married to that individual. So by your scenario, if I understand correctly, is, is he staying in the house, but he's paying rent to stay there, but he still has his ownership interest? Still has his ownership interest. They're not disposing of the asset, but she has to pay alimony because she was the breadwinner. And they made their assets um, that way. So if she was paying him alimony, he can, add, and they decided to keep the asset for X period of time till they dispose of it. Um, but she's still paying him alimony. I mean, this actually this scenario, uh, he went through this scenario with his brother. Mm. So it was a good. Uh, so they hang. They they held on to the property. For I think another six or seven years, and then they disposed of it, made a killing. But she was paying alimony. He was paying rent, you know, a fair market value for the house. Mm-hmm. Appreciation. And then they both banked on the appreciation seven years later, which was huge. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a great um, means to an end here. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes... Um, have you ever seen anything like that? You know, I've not. Oftentimes I've seen, uh, well, because you have to understand the, the, the alimony, the spousal support is the, the true term of art now, but most folks still call it alimony because it is. But the spousal support, y- y- in calculating that on a, at least a temporary basis, we use a program called the DISO Master. And in that, one of the inputs in calculating support is the interest portion of the mortgage. So the bigger the mortgage, you know, in effect, the, the bigger the interest portion of the mortgage, in effect, the more that spouse is paying in support because for tax reasons, they're going to have more net spendable dollars at the end of the year. So if I'm the wife and I'm, I'm, I'm having to pay a set amount based on this mortgage and you're then still getting the benefit of the appreciation 
and I'm paying this mortgage, but you're paying me rent, but I can't really claim that on anything. You know, what's the benefit to to me? Uh, I just I don't see it. But wait a minute, they weren't they they didn't divide it yet. It wasn't me. It was still an us asset. Okay, I, I get that, but what's the benefit? So I'm gonna I, tell you what I might agree to pay less than um, what I should be paying at support. But I want to make sure if, if I'm that person, if I'm not the, the woman in this situation, the spouse that's doing that, that I'm still getting a benefit. Uh, what, what's my, how can we monetize what you are getting um, for me? What's in it for me? Sure, sure. It was, you know, just something interesting that he threw out. And uh, obviously I just, you know, just uh, waved over it. But still, um, it's... It's an interesting scenario, you got to admit. Well, absolutely, because oftentimes, you know, if you have children of the marriage, they're going through enough crisis with their parents right. splitting. And you, now and you're going to relocate them and have two separate homes. You want to keep some stability in their life. And that's, that's, that's important. That is why they came to right. some sort of – and I think you're right. She was paying less to offset mortgage deductions, oh. and they both got it still because the asset was in both their names, which no refinancing had to take right. place. Because, and then they just split the the interest as uh, you know an investment, right? And but then they also then by that scenario also shared cost of sale, did they not? Of course. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another all thing. All the we costs can... and the and reap the the benefits. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, Richard's giving us that finger. We're gonna have to take a quick <laughs> commercial break. Lynn Goble, attorney at law, <laughs> speaking with Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back, speaking with Lynn Goble, attorney at law, Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. So, let's talk about appraisals. Now, I've seen, let me tell you, I've gone through a few of these, more than a few, more than my share that I want to talk about, and I have people come in, here's the appraisal of the house, and I have the wife come in, or the husband come in, here's the appraisal of the house, they never ever match. Um, they have their own peeps do it or whoever the attorneys are, you know, but those, a lot of those guys, they don't seem to understand. Those are not full on appraisals. Those are price opinions. They don't go for the full appraisal. A lot of times some do, but a lot of them I've seen are just market opinion of value. No, that's a completely different, uh, that's a a whole different um, valuation than what a full-on appraisal that we're going to do based on uh, the collateral that that we see. For our loan, we need our our own specific collateral. So tell us how you, Lynn, how you guys get up to the appraisal point, what you do, what they can expect. Say a couple comes in or the wife comes in and says, I'm getting a divorce, blah, blah, blah. I need appraisal on my house. What do we do now? Go, walk us through what one can expect an attorney to tell them. Well, you know, it, it, I had a law school professor. He always had an answer. Of, you know, it depends. Um, if, if I, if, it depends if my gal wants to keep the house or sell it. Maybe I know someone that's going to maybe come in a little lower value. So I'm going to hire somebody separate. That's going to be an expert witness. If I pay for it, 
My, I don't have to reveal it to the other side until you know deposition time, time of trial. But that person is going to do for me a fair market value. They're going to walk the property. They're going to look in and inside the house, not in the underwear drawer, which actually I've been accused of doing one time. Uh, and you know, highest and best use. Uh, look at comps, and you know, comparables have to be literally comparable. If you're looking at a two-bedroom, two-bath house to sell or appraise, get that fair market value. Don't go looking at some, you know, in a different geographic region, one bedroom, you know, half bath studio, something like that. Make sure it's comparable. And that's where I'm going to get that fair market value. And also I can get that fair rental value. You know, a lot of folks will do a quick and dirty Zillow, Redfin, um, or even a comparative market analysis. They'll hire, hire or not even hire. They'll just get in touch with their the realtor that they work with in the past who ultimately wants the listing if it's going to be sold. And they're going to look at sales. But, you know, they're not going to know the in, inside and outside of that specific property. So you can, yeah, it's not uncommon to have specific appraisals. But you tell, you're telling me you do your own regardless. If both sides come to you guy with, a, with two independent appraisals, guys that, you know, have those special seals and initials after their name, maybe a whole slew of initials, and you're still going to do your own appraisal. Yeah, of course. Uh, every lender requires their own. You know, with the Dodd-Frank Act and the fair mm-hmm. lending, mm-hmm. we have to get a separate appraisal done. We have to get our own appraisal for a specific lender, and those are not ordered the old-fashioned way. Those are ordered through an appraisal management company that, that you know, you can't just pick. The old days, mm-hmm. we can pick. You guys, what you're doing is completely different, but for lending purposes, we have to go through a, a third-party AMC, which hires that appraiser, and that's going to come back. We have no contact with that appraiser whatsoever, the lender. So that solves a lot of problems for us in this particular situation. Yeah, so you have no dog in that race. No. But do you then also, I I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine last week. He says he automatically, whatever that value is, or the value value for whatever reason, he says it should come in at about 5% less to account for those costs of sale. And I say, well, you can't do that. That's not an actual and specific what's happening now type of thing. So I don't want to see an appraisal that's going to put cost of sale because, you know, it, it's going to work to one's benefit and to the other's detriment. Because I've never even heard a cost okay. of sale. Good. What, what is this guy? Well, what, 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 what is he, Johnny Rockets or something? I, could, I hey, mean, privilege, come on, man. cost privilege. of sale. Here's how that works. If you come in with X, then you're going to agree to reduce that price 5%. But you want to know what the value of the house is. And you're going to re- and you're going to agree agree if you're not going to be using a, a real estate agent because that's the cost of sale. So you're going to automatically talking. reduce five percent if it is. <clears throat> I've seen it done. If we're going to sell it ourselves mm-hmm. and dispose of it, mm-hmm. we know that it would cost us five percent. So that five percent will be split between the buyer seller. Yeah. Or they'll reduce it. Uh, they'll reduce that purchase price five percent. Sometimes it's usually three or four, maybe, but I've never seen a five percent cost of sale reduction in a price. But ultimately, that's what you're doing. I mean, <clears throat> see, my, the, the argument I yeah, have, you are, but you you're not coming to a true value. That's my point. Yeah, because it you know it can work to that against that spouse because you've created a lesser value of the home. If I'm using the bank appraisal, a lesser value of the home, lesser equity then, and a lesser amount of buyouts. Um, where that spouse is keeping the home 
doesn't actually have those costs of sale. She's merely getting it at this value minus the uh, the lien or liens, you know, the, the trust deeds, and taking it at that value. But if you've already decreased that value by five percent, then then she's getting a little bit of a windfall, depending on the value. Yeah. You know, economies of scale here. But still, you know, I just that was something I learned recently because I, 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 you know, I used to be a real blonde, but you know, I'm still sometimes I'm a, a dumb blonde. I'm not, you know, I often in a price for cost of sale. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I get my appraiser on the phone and see if he can uh, answer those questions. Yeah. If he's ever seen that. Richard, why don't you call up Jay while we're on uh, our next break? <laughs> and we're going to get him on the f- on the phone and put him on the spot. Well, think and about ask it. Ask him about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, because that's very interesting. Yeah. I've never seen a- an appraiser because he does a lot of that. Yeah. You know, he works for a lot of attorneys. He he's one of the top. Jay Kenny, uh, one of the top oh, appraisers sure, sure. in Central. Do you know Jay? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we, we just have. get to the bottom of this right now. Somebody yeah. throwing out 5% reduction for yeah. I could be wrong. I've never seen it. And I like to be corrected because I learn something new every day, and I like try to. Learner. Yeah, that's right. No, it's true, though, because if you're putting in a cost of sale and you're putting in a lesser value, and I'm, ne- I'm taking that home and I'm never going to sell it, I'm never going to have cost of sale. My kids can deal with it in this state, <laughs> you know, my, my 12 dozen kids I don't know about that are out there. They're out there, too. Yeah. I know they're singing songs about you. Oh, and, please. And, you know, and writing graffiti around town. A lot, about you know, you. a lot of people say, hey, you know, as a divorce attorney, you jaded against marriage, you jaded against love. Is that, you know, stopped you from from, from finding that right person? And I say, no, no. I, you know, I had, my parents were married over 50 years till my father passed away, but I haven't given up on love. Just with divorce, there's certain people that say, you know, I don't want to be married anymore. Sometimes they have that epiphany in the morning, or sometimes it's a process. Sometimes they wait till the uh, the youngest becomes the old, you know, graduates high school, and then it's time. Certain people do the timing of it. Maybe certain people do it by uh, market conditions with respect to the house. If we can get the highest and best price and sell now, let's divorce now. Who knows? Well, I had a friend in Portland that came out of the closet once the last kid, you know, left home. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was his wife. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, I think she landed up in the loony bin or something. I mean, that was <laughs> that was wrong on many levels. I'm married for 20 years yeah. next year. Victoria's fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I know. She's a sweetheart. She puts up 20 years. This is really cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I love being married, too. So Good. Um, it shows. Uh, you gave me a question. Will we see return of the days of stated income instead of having to show proof of actual income? No. Okay. That will not happen. And um, that we have alternative, and they're called non-QM loans. Okay. Uh, non-qualified mortgage loans. They usually run, you know, higher rates, but... If you're self-employed, you can give two years tax return or two years business bank statements. We use the deposits as income. Mm-hmm. We do a cool little calculation and say, "Here's your income," as opposed to, you know, you making two hundred thousand and writing off one hundred and fifty thousand to minimize your tax liability. But let me tell you something out there, if you're listening. If you want to leverage and you want to increase your, uh, you know, your buying capabilities, your leveraging capabilities, you know, take a year or two, pay your taxes. Don't minimize your tax liability if you want to leverage in the future. 
Two years is not that long. You know, two years, great tax returns is not that long of a time to give, pay your taxes, and then go back to, you know, skirting your taxes after that. This message brought to you by the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board. Guy Rivera, your guy. We're going to take another quick commercial break. This this is a lot of fun (laughs) with Lynn. Um, You're listening to Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. So I just found out we had two attorneys in the station today. Richard Dugan, <laughs> he uh, that's his side job, and uh, <laughs> and Goble. Get your degree off the internet, <laughs> yeah. did you? Just like he me. got his degree off the internet. Put it in that Google machine. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been real interesting stuff. It's not, you know what? Um, it's not a subject that we make light of because I come from a divorced family. My mom and dad got divorced when we were kids. It. Uh, it's it's just not a good thing. I you know I embrace my my family, my wife's side of the family. Her parents are going over their fifty year anniversary. I mean mm-hmm. this is the rest of the family. Um, but it happens, and when it does happen, you've got to be prepared. And you and you should ask the right questions. You should you know man up, girl up, woman up, however you want to say it. But you need to ask the questions. You need to know what's in store for you. You need to you know, expose yourself and get ready to be exposed. Um, and gather information. You know, get the, get the knowledge that's necessary. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to jump right in because that's yeah, what I please do. Please do. I'm caffeinated. I'm caffeinated. I like to talk to clients and maybe not coach them so much, but, you know, understand what it is you're, you're getting or wanting in this divorce. Are you going to be cash rich, land poor? Are you going to be land poor, cash rich? You know, back in the day when people were... Uh, one judge said using, you know, their houses as ATM machines. You know, you were having you were having these huge mortgages, really little equity. You were having to use every penny, be it spousal and child support, maybe a minimum wage paying job to keep that house because you wanted that stability for the child. But did you also have a cash flow? Did you have retirement? So a lot of times I would caution people, I understand you want the house, but is that really fiscally prudent in terms of a going forward basis? You always have to look forward. So in terms of a mortgage, what, what, what mortgage can I, can I accept that stomach so I'm not eating top ramen every day? So I often, I, you know, I, give, I don't give tax advice. I give, you know, issues, issue spotting. The California State Bar exam is going on to, today and tomorrow. And, you know, it's all about issue spotting and, and things like that. And so that's an issue I like to spot. Say, talk to a financial planner if you've got the means. Talk to a, to, to a tax consultant um, to see what's the, what that's going to look like in the real life. If, you're really, if your quality of life is going to diminish so much because you're saddled with a mortgage that isn't the best for you. You know, we were talking earlier about... Um, what I like to call some creative financing. You gave the situation where the, the husband's paying rent. Well, maybe the, the husband or the, the non, you know, the out spouse, as I'm going to call that individual, um, has a trust deed that's secured by that house. So that's not what you want to hear. They want, you want them to have a mortgage. Maybe they have both, but this person's second in line. Sure. But then it enables what, what I would call a win-win for the children and both parties. They're staying in the home. That The guy with the second, he's going to still have the, maybe it's, Maybe it's got an interest rate. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a some certain. And there's a there's a you always want a date for something, a deadline or a date in which to do something. When that house is going to be sold, when the last kid graduates high school, and then we're going to sell it. We're going to share the cost of sale. 
Okay. But I'm also going to get the benefit of that increased equity. So maybe I'll... You're talking about somebody that's going through the process, Mm -hmm. but just delaying the... Just been delaying the sale of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And you okay. can look you can look at that as they either own a percentage, maybe their tenants in common and instead of hold you can't hold it as community property anymore. No. So you're going to have to change title. You can do it as joint tenants. And that's very important too when I, when I have a, a case come to me initially and if I see the parties are owning that property as joint tenants, you immediately want to sever the joint tenancy because if you and I are married and I, you know, deceased, you you get that guy, you know, you know, hit me out of the blue, you know, with that truck. That's a different story. That's a privilege, too. But you're going to immediately inherit everything, you know? So there's my one half going to you just by wow. operation of title. That's that's very interesting. Well, we're getting the two-minute warning on the show. Um, this is really interesting stuff, and I want to have you back if you want to come back. If oh, you yeah. had fun. Was it oh, I had a great fun? time. I don't want to yes. end on, you know, you yeah. taking me out to keep the house note. But yeah, yeah, you know, what is that all about? No. I'm Puerto Rican. Everybody thinks that. No. Hey, listen, um, <laughs> Lynn, it's been great. Lynn, real quickly, tell people how to get in touch with you. Tell them your number. Plug yourself. Hurry up. So I'm right in downtown Santa Barbara, 15 West Carrillo, Suite 258, uh, 805-879-7513, and my email, lgobel, first initial, last name, at lgfamilylaw.com. If you want to contact her or just stop by the, the shop, I'll get you her information as well. You've been listening to Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. Thank you. Thank you. That was a tasteful and moving program, Mr. Rivera. 